welcome to What Works. I'm your host, Tara Gentili. If you haven't heard, we are relaunching Profit Power Pursuit as What Works because that's exactly what we see missing in today's podcast landscape. There's a whole lot of expert advice out there and there are plenty of inspiring stories, but there's a real lack of, here's how I really do it, as told by the small business owners themselves. Now on What Works, our goal is to break through best practices, transcend conventional wisdom, and put theory to the test. To do that, we talk to real small business owners about what's actually working for them right now and deep dive on the who, what, how and why of how it works. Today, we're catching up with Lacey Boggs in a special live episode. Lacey is a content strategist and director of the Content Direction Agency, which helps online small business owners communicate and connect with their audiences through authentic, organic, and values-driven content. Lacey's been honing her business model, adjusting her own content marketing strategy, and growing her team over the last year. So I'm super excited to catch up with her and find out exactly what's working for her right now. Lacey Boggs, welcome to What Works. Thanks so much for joining me today. Ah, thank you for asking me. I'm excited. Of course. Well, I'm always curious as to what you're experimenting with, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be as well. So if you're here with us live for this special episode, please feel free, please, 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 to use that Ask a Question tab under the video area to ask Lacey about what's working for her today. We're going to get to your questions in just a bit, but of course, I got some questions I want to ask Lacey first. So first of all, Lacey, tell us how your business has evolved over the last couple of years and what brought on that evolution. Yeah. So uh, let's say in about 2016, I I actually worked with you, Tara, to come up with some big goals uh, for my business. And I thought what I wanted was to leverage more of my business through programs and products as opposed Mm -hmm. to one-on-one services. That's how I thought I was going to scale. And um, what what we ended up doing was uh, you set me some very ambitious goals for me anyway. And and because I'm a good student and I don't like to let anybody down, I was like, yes, I can do this. And so I spent the year growing my list and selling and doing all these things. And, you know, I hit my goals and I, I did what I set out to do for the most part. And hated every minute of it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very good thing to pay attention to. Yeah, it was like pulling teeth. And it really wasn't until like my big launch at the end of the year, I didn't hit the number goal I had set for myself. And I was super bummed and like went into the beginning of 2017 going, I'm going to burn it all down. I hate everything. Um, And then when I ran the numbers, I realized I had converted at like four and a half percent. I had done actually very well. I just hadn't hit the arbitrary number I had set for myself. (laughs) That happens a lot. And yeah. And when I realized that I was like, I am putting so much pressure on myself to sell these programs and I don't love it. And I am not enjoying the process of doing this. I'm not enjoying launching. I'm not enjoying selling these things. And so through a lot of different, you know, whatever, deep, dark self (laughs) reflection, I realized that what I really needed to do was go back to what I love, which is um, one-on-one work strategy in particular. And through some conversations with you and some conversations with Brianne Dick and other important people in my business life, you know, I realized that what I really needed to do was double down on the one-on-one service that I love to deliver and build a team of people that could then continue to implement through writing and so on. So what I'm focusing on selling now today is one-on-one strategy sessions uh, where 
I help the business owner outline how their entire marketing system is working together and how blogging or podcasting or videos or tweets or any part of that all fit together to communicate their message and drive more sales. And then from there, if the business owner wants more help, I have a whole team of people that can basically implement it soup to nuts if that's what they want. Gotcha. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that implementation actually looks like? What is it that you guys, what are the services you guys offer basically? Yeah. So we, we focus on and specialize in blog writing. So that's, that's like our number one thing is we can be you on your blog. (laughs) We take great pride in uh, writing blogs that sound like you. So your audience never knows there's been any kind of change. But in addition, we can write emails, we can write and schedule social media posts. I have a graphic person on, on staff. I have an SEO gal now. I have analytics people waiting in the wings. So any part of the marketing, content marketing, whatever ecosystem you need to have taken care of, we can pretty much do that now. Awesome. And are you um, putting those services together on a proposal by proposal basis? Do you have sort of a a la carte thing going on? Is it a flat fee packaged thing? How does that work? Yeah. So everybody has to start with the strategy session because I deeply believe that we have to have a roadmap before we go anywhere else. (laughs) And that's a flat fee. And then from there, um, my packages start at like $1,000 a month for a blog post a week and go up from there. So we can add anything, but um, it starts with the that main, whatever that hub of the hub and spoke model is, is where we start. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, that takes me down a little bit of a tangent and I Mm -hmm. love tangents and rabbit holes. So (laughs) we're going to go there for a second, which is, um, you know, I think there's been a lot of conversation lately about like, what is the role of blogging in small business content marketing today? So what is your uh, as a provider of these services, what is your philosophy, your approach on the role? What do you see working when it comes to blogging for your small business today? Thank you. I love this question. Thank you for <laughs> providing me this soapbox. Let me just step back up on it. Yep. Um, so, I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm a writer and that's how I communicate and that's how I like to communicate. But I believe that blogging still definitely has its place in the modern content marketing world because like, just as an example, let's look at all this stuff around Facebook right now, right? There's people talking about delete Facebook. There's this hashtag trending. I don't really believe Facebook is going anywhere right now, but is there going to be maybe a ding to certain people, certain certain ways we've been marketing on Facebook, it's entirely possible, right? So I don't believe that you can build your entire platform somewhere else, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere. Anything that requires you to be hosted by somebody else is is subject to the whims of that somebody else. So having something like a blog, or maybe it's a video blog, maybe it's a podcast, whatever that hub is, where you can be a thought leader, where you can create your own platform, And then letting all the other little pieces drive traffic back to that is where I still think content marketing is most effective. And um, I know there's a lot of different ways you can do that nowadays. I happen to prefer blogging, but when I say blogging, you can just fill in like your preferred channel if that's video or audio or writing. (laughs) Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Thank you for for that. All right. So um, you gave me some kind of background info before we got started with this interview. And one of the things you mentioned uh, that's been really helpful for growing your business over the last year is really having a process for requesting referrals. Can you talk us through what that process actually looks like and how you go about implementing it? Yes. So, you know, caveat, it's still evolving. This is something we're still working on. But 
something I did this year that was really, really vital, I think, was um, I actually ran the numbers about where all of my people come from. Like, where do my actual clients come from? I had never sat down and actually run the data about where they come. Like I could tell you I was getting X amount of data from Google and X, you know traffic or whatever, uh, X amount of traffic from Facebook and so on. But how did that actually convert into paying customers? <laughs> and so uh, Jessica Mayring and I are in a mastermind together. I know you know her. And she oh, yeah. like got on my tail about it and was like, look, we need to run these numbers. She's very much more <laughs> Good data for minded Jessica. than I am. I know, right? Good for her. So we did. Also a she- friend of the pod. Yes, indeed. She so she helped me create this spreadsheet and we ran the numbers and like literally 70% of my clients, my paying customers come from referrals of one kind or another. So I was like, okay, well, clearly that's where I need to spend the most of my time. Like if that's where they're coming from, that's what I need to nurture. And so I've been exploring how to make that a system because up until now it was more just like, yay, somebody sent me a client. Isn't that nice? So one thing I've started doing is um, actually asking for referrals. Like, oh my God, (laughs) who would have thought? But that includes, you know, just sending out an email to people who have referred me in the past or people I think might reach the same audience or even past customers um, just to say, hey, how you doing? I have an opening right now, whatever it might be. Um, I'm really bad at that because uh, I get all tied up in my own self about like, oh, what if they don't want to, you know, which is dumb, but true. And so it's something I'm looking at outsourcing to my assistant so that she's Mm. the one that hits send instead of me, because that gets me over myself. (laughs) Dumb little psychological trip, number one there. Um, but so another way we're doing this is, um, I actually am asking for referral partners. You probably saw in co-commercial Tara that I made a post saying that I was looking for people who reached X audience to, um, have conversations about, can we, can we be, do some kind of partnership? Can I come talk to your audience? Are there people that I could serve that you already can identify that you could send to me? Can I send people to you? Because I really want it to be a reciprocal relationship that way. Sure. Um, and finally, like my marketing strategy for a couple of years now has been show up and be helpful. <laughs> and so I'm looking for more opportunities to do that. So I show up in co-commercial. Honestly, if I could have three more co-commercials, I'd probably be fine. <laughs> um, I just don't know of anything we else. We just need to make co-commercial three same. times bigger. There you go. When you get it three times bigger, I'll be set. I'll just have yeah. one place. But yeah, like I, I've uh, volunteered to show up in people's mastermind groups to, to guest teach in programs. If it reaches my ideal audience, if I, I know that if I show up and am useful, people want to work with me. So I'm just trying to systematize that and do it more deliberately. Gotcha. Awesome. Okay. So a follow-up to that from Justine, she asks, uh, or she says, I'd love to hear more about exactly how you run those numbers. So what were you looking at when you were trying to figure out, okay, this is where my revenue is coming from. This is where Mm -hmm. my clients are coming from. Yeah. Um, So some of it, I had to make some assumptions um, because it wasn't data that I was necessarily collecting. So Jessica asked me things like, what was the lifetime value of this customer? How much money do they make? And I don't necessarily know how much money each of my customers makes, but I can make an estimate within a range, right? So I kind of put that all out. Like I, I basically just went through my CRM and said, who have I worked with in the last two years? How much, what was the lifetime value of that customer? Which was super eye-opening. <laughs> Who are my most valuable customers that worked with me for a long time and ended up 
paying me quite a lot of money over several years. And then, um, you know, who were they? What kind of demographics were they actually? There was some surprise, some surprising stuff there too. Like when I looked up all my customers on LinkedIn, you can see how long they've been in business usually. Mm, mm-hmm. And so most of my clients have been in business four years or more, which was surprising to me. That was, I didn't know that it was that consistent. Like um, some, it was between four and like 10 years. So they were much more, um, advanced business owners, I guess you would say, than I had assumed. And then um, we also looked at like, what was, where did they come from? If I knew, you know, I would put in where did I, who referred them or, or how did I meet them or whatever it was. And then we just sort of ran the numbers that way. Like what percentage of people came from what source? Gotcha. Um, Sounds like maybe Airtable would be a good place. To <laughs> Probably kind of we thing. were doing it in Excel, but yes, <laughs> yeah, it, it totally. required Jessica to put in some fancy um, e- equations that I didn't know. But yes, <laughs> oh, I love those Excel e- equations. All right, um, let's revisit this content marketing piece again. You told us a little bit about um, sort of where you're at and what your philosophy is around blogging and how that fits into content marketing overall. Um, but I know that you've kind of changed your more, I guess, tactical approach mm-hmm. to content marketing at this point. Um, you're creating less how-to articles, which has been a big part of how you grew your platform, or your audience to this point. So I'm curious, what's changed? What's working for you right now? What What is the kind of content that you're putting out there and how is that working out for you? Mm-hmm. So yes. Um, so in 2016, I focused uh, almost exclusively on how-to content and specifically on how-to content that included a content upgrade. So something they mm-hmm. had to opt in for, um, like a worksheet or whatever that went along with the blog post. And that was extremely successful for growing my list. The problem was that when I switched from selling DIY products to focusing on selling my one-to-one services, the people who wanted my freebies didn't necessarily want to pay for my one-to-one services. And I like, I feel this extreme duh moment um, around this (laughs) because (laughs) like we all kind of know this, don't we? That, that coupon shoppers shop with coupons. And I think freebies are kind of like the coupons of the internet world right now. So like, you know, when I worked for a magazine, the publisher routinely told advertisers not to run coupons because they, they would mm. only get the people who only show up to the shop or the restaurant when they have a coupon, right? And um, then people would not come. That You train them. You train. It's like, do you shop at Kohl's, Tara, ever? <laughs> like, I used to work for Kohl's. Okay. And when I worked for Kohl's, they're like big point of pride was that 90% of the store was on sale at any given time. And that was something we were supposed to be proud of. And then looking back later, I'm like, oh, crap. That was where all our problems came from. Right? Like you never buy anything full price at Kohl's. You just don't. You wait till next week and it'll go on sale. So like this is this is what was happening, I think, with my content is that I, I gave away so much free stuff, good stuff, free stuff. That people were like, yeah, I've got it. I'm good. Thanks. And they and they didn't want to buy my full price meal because <laughs> they had the coupon. And so like it, it's not that um, it doesn't work for anybody. I'm certain that there are business models in which that still works. But when I'm selling a more high priced one to one service, the freebies were not where it was at for me. And so like it's really been a, more about finding that personal connection with people through a referral, Mm -hmm. through teaching, whatever it is. I'm still very much of the opinion that you can't give too much away 
on your mm-hmm. blog necessarily, but I've also discovered that how-to content is not necessarily where it's at for everybody either. So I can write how to, like how-to is easy for me. And I think I was falling back on it because that's what I, that's how I think. Like I'm here to, I want to help you. I want to teach you. Let me tell you everything I know about blogging. But when <laughs> I step back and talk about why to instead, or talk Ooh. about what I'm seeing happening in, in the zeitgeist or what I'm seeing happening, what trends are happening, what I'm seeing, cool things that are happening. That gets people thinking on a different level, right? Yeah. Because if they're Googling how to do something, they just want to know how to do that thing. And they're done, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so if I'm getting them engaged on a different level, talking about whatever, however you want to say it, theory or, or the why or the bigger picture, then they're much more likely to stay engaged and then decide somewhere down the line, yeah, that Lacey chick, she might be able to help me with that. <laughs> totally, totally. You know, I've been thinking a lot about my buying strategy lately as a way to rethink my marketing strategy mm-hmm. and help other people with their marketing strategies as well. And it's exactly to your point, when I'm Googling a how-to, which I do regularly, and Everybody thank does. you all for putting the how-to content out there. <laughs> Um, I will go to a site and I'll figure it out, go do what I need to do and forget about that site. It's not that I don't have some trusted how-to sources, but I'm not buying from them largely and I'm not spending quality time at their websites. Mm -hmm. Whereas every time I run into a post that makes me think about something a different way, and often it's through a discovery tool like Medium or through a podcast, Mm -hmm. that's when I go to their website and literally look for an opt-in form. Like, Mm -hmm. where can I put my email address so you can send me more of this good stuff, please? Because I want to spend more time with you. Mm -hmm. And those are the things then that are, or those are the the people and the agencies and the firms that are going to bubble up when I need to purchase support in one way or another. So I think that's such a fabulous point. Um, and also to your point about discounting too. And, and uh, you know, it's when we're talking about Kohl's, like the problem is at Kohl's, it's always on sale, right? <laughs> and I think just like you said, we do that with our freebies as well. But then, you know, there are brands where oftentimes there's nothing on sale. So like REI right now has their member coupon out. So if you're an REI member, you have till mm-hmm. April 9th to use that 20% off coupon. And Sean and I are like, all right, what is deal. the highest? Yeah, what is the <laughs> highest price thing we need to buy in the next three months mm-hmm. that we're going to use this coupon on? And we're like very strategically planning a high ticket purchase which um, we wouldn't maybe otherwise we would, you know, I don't know, we would have yeah. some other buying strategy. And I think it can be the same thing with a freebie too, right? You put that one good freebie out there at a strategic point in time, that might be more powerful for your business than having a freebie out there all the time. Exactly. And I do want to point out that it's not that how-to content can't work for anybody. It's that it, I've realized it doesn't work for what for my business model and what I'm selling and actually for a lot of my clients. But like I'll give you a really great example of somebody that does how-to content well that makes, yeah. a, makes a good idea. Um, we were looking to hang these pictures behind me and I, I didn't know how to do these big frames without finding a stud because the studs were mm-hmm. at weird places in my wall, right? So what do I do? I Google it. And there's a video from Home Depot that comes up and it showed me these interesting little things that are called monkey hooks that you stick in the drywall. Well, what did I do? I drove to Home Depot <laughs> and I bought me some monkey hooks because they told me exactly what to buy and how to use it. So in that case, like their how-to content drove a sale, right? In that, in that sense. But like for me, <laughs> I don't have that very specific, like, here's your monkey hook. <laughs> 
Um, it's a very different business model. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's a very different business model. So if you have that kind of business model, that might work for you. If you don't have that kind of business model, <laughs> you might be completely missing out on all sorts of good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, just a reminder, if you're here with us live for this special episode, go ahead and uh, use that ask a question tab under the video area to pop your question for Lacey about what's working for her right now when it comes to growing her business, managing her business, running her business, um, whatever you want to know. No, she's probably game to tell you. So, I mean, I've known Lacey for a while. She's pretty transparent. So yeah, use that ask a question tab. Book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I got a few more questions of my own. Um, and one of them is about your team. As your mm -hmm. business has evolved here over the last couple of years, you've uh, you've grown your team. You, you talked about the different kinds of people you have uh, working with you now. What are you doing? What's working for you to stay on top of the workload of actually managing that team and making sure that nothing falls through the cracks? Mm -hmm. um, again, this is something we're still working on, but, but I have been really blessed to hire people that tend to manage themselves, which is oh, awesome. Good. <laughs> um, but uh, so two things I'll say, like most, my team is entirely contractors at this point. So I don't have any full-time employees yet. Um, I think that'll probably be the next step. But right now, the way my business model works is basically they don't get paid unless I get paid. So unless I have a client with work, they don't work. So, so they all do their own thing. But I have all these people in my pocket that I have vetted that I trust that can deliver these services. Um, and so the way we stay organized mostly is through uh, Asana and Slack. So um, I have Asana set up where, where I can assign things to people. Um, for the most part, when it comes to client work, though, the, my writers know that they just manage it, which is awesome because I don't really want to be involved unless I need to be involved. Mm -hmm. um, once, once they're working with a client, I would much prefer they have the direct relationship with the client because there's no point in me being the middleman, right? <laughs> like at that point, they just need to talk to the client and, and do whatever needs doing unless there's an issue and then I'm happy mm -hmm. to be involved. Um, so I don't like assign blog posts in, Sla in Asana to my writers. They have their own systems with their own clients gotcha. that they manage. And a lot of times I actually say to potential clients, we will work in your system. I kind of hate it when a contractor wants me to work in their project management system. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but it kind of puts me off. And so I want our people, our writers to work in the client's um, system. So like Tara, if we were working for you, 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 we would be happy to work inside Asana or Trello or wherever you wanted to work. You could just invite us to that and manage it that way. Um, and, and then we have our... Full disclosure, Lacey's team has worked for me twice <laughs> in the past. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and yeah, and then we have a Slack channel where I can just talk to people real time, more or less. Um, if, if something quick needs to happen, that's where it happens. But um, does that answer your question? I think I, f I feel like I lost the thread of the question. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that totally answers my question. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so kind of a follow up to thinking through your team. How has having a team changed the way you think or approach your business growth? Because I know it's not just as simple as like, well, I'm going to hire these people and give them work. Like it, it actually <laughs> changes the way you think about the business itself. For sure it did because when I got started, it was just me and it was pretty much dollars for hours, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I started out. Um, and so when I started hiring additional writers, it became like, okay, I can sell more than I can actually produce because I have these other people. Um, so it, it's changed the way I think about it in terms of like 
what my capacity is and how I manage that capacity. Um, cause retainers are really our bread and butter. We, uh, I would prefer to sell those all day long because that's how, that's how we keep everything consistent. It makes the client happy. It makes my writers happy because they know what they're going to earn each month. And that's a great thing. Um, so I can kind of keep track of, of capacity. And when I know, like, uh, for example, at the end of last year, I knew that Terry, my main writer was getting to capacity. And mm. so we needed to, it, we could, we could predict out that like, if I get two more clients, we're going to be full. So I need to start searching for another writer to bring in now so that we're ready to just go as soon as the, as soon as new clients come on, I have somebody to assign them to. Smart, smart, smart. I love that. I love that. Um, all right. Let's take some questions from the audience. Jana asks, um, uh, she'd love to know what you did to make that transition from thinking about always giving away those content upgrades, always giving away tons and tons of how-to content um, to having a more, I don't want to say, yeah, I do want to say thoughtful approach to what you were putting out in terms of content marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think when I realized that the how-to content was not necessarily converting into clients for me, it became very clear that I needed to try something different. And mm-hmm. so I started just sort of riffing. Um, I started just sort of giving myself permission to write what was on my mind that week, um, which before I've always been very much a planner. And I still think there's a lot of value in that, but I decided to sort of take a step back and just sort of riff on what was on my mind. And the engagement blew up, comments, emails, uh, open rates, any kind of metric of engagement exploded when I started doing that because I was I was approaching it from a different mm-hmm. perspective. Um, it was a it was around the time I posted that article that you liked and shared on Medium to about ten things I know about content marketing. Yes, because it was just like I'm just going to write what I'm thinking about right now, <laughs> and 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 that has continued to some extent. Um, the only time I switch it up is if I am selling something concrete and different. So, for example, I did a, a JV webinar with Bridget Lyons. And so I wanted to talk podcasting because her product is get, get booked on podcasts. And so for a couple of weeks before our webinar together, I started talking about podcasts. So it was a little more planned out in that sense, but Mm -hmm. I was still just kind of riffing on like, here's why podcasts are at the top of my list right now, because you know, blah, 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 as opposed to here's how to get booked on a podcast, because that's what Bridget was going to do. I didn't need to do that. How to, I needed to do the why, why do you care? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so that leads me to a follow-up question, which mm-hmm. is, um, you know, I know that you've had tools, used tools, given us tools for creating editorial content or editorial calendars yes. in the past, and I'm sure you use editorial calendars with your clients. What's working for you right now in terms of creating, maintaining, using an editorial calendar for your own content marketing? Yeah. Okay. So again, this is, this depends so much on two things, the business model and the business owner's personality. So Mm -hmm. like, even though I'm not necessarily planning out exactly what every blog post is about right now for my business, I'm still using my editorial calendar as a big picture thing. So what am Ah. I doing? What's happening big picture? Where, what do I want to be selling right now so that I can sell this later, whether that's, you know, strategy sessions or whatever, but you still have to guide people 
right? You still have to remind people how they can work with you, um, even if I'm not launching something. Um, so I use it for the big picture. And with my clients, we often get a lot more granular because they need the step-by-step Mm -hmm. Um, because they're at a different place, right? So if they're launching something, if they're launching a program or a new product or selling a retreat or whatever it might be, I still use the editorial calendar and, and back it out. You know, so we're launching this date. Great. We need to be doing this, this, and this beforehand because they need to see it more on a step-by-step basis. Like what do I need to do each week <laughs> to make this happen? <laughs> Totally. All right. I think I understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lou asks, where else are you showing up right now outside your own blog? Is it medium LinkedIn? And why, why did you pick the channels that you picked? Mm -hmm. Um, so I actually make a concerted effort to show up in co-commercial because there's a ton of people in co-commercial that are my ideal customers. And Tara, you're one of my highest referrals. Like you're probably the biggest co-commercial and Tara (laughs) are the biggest, uh, um, referral source for me uh, in general. So I make a concerted effort to show up and be useful. (laughs) I am, you know, I try to answer questions. I post articles and I've actually had people very kindly in there tell me that I am useful, which is nice. It's good validation. But um, I don't like go about being like, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing. I just want you to know that I'm there so that when you think I need help with this, my name comes up. So that's one place. I have been uh, experimenting with Medium. I haven't been able to track anything directly from Medium yet, but I am getting traction in terms of different people being exposed to it, um, lots of engagement and likes, which is nice. I'm on Facebook, obviously. I um, have a couple of groups on Facebook that I engage with, but not as much as I used to. And um, I would like to do more with LinkedIn. I feel like I'm a LinkedIn novice. So I feel <laughs> like I need to, uh, <laughs> I'm, there's probably a lot there that I could do that I don't. So, I mean, that's, that's maybe something for the future. And the other place is I'm, I'm trying to get on more podcasts um, and be more mindful and intentional about that. Awesome. Sounds like we need to have a guest on the podcast who uses LinkedIn a lot and has success from that for their small business. So if somebody knows a person like that, or if you are a person like that, please Mm -hmm. let me know because we might like to interview you. So that Lacey and I can learn yes. how to use LinkedIn. <laughs> we'll be here taking notes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, question from Kristen. She says, when it comes to encouraging people to sign up for uh, your email list, uh, uh, well, she's asking, should we leave the freebie out? We're going to take this away from advice and turning it into what works for Lacey. <laughs> um, so what is your what is your current call to action, your current CTA for joining uh, your list? Mm-hmm. And how are you positioning the value of that for the people who are signing up? Oh, y'all have caught me out here because this is, <laughs> this is an, this is an instance of the cobbler's children have no, sh- have no shoes because um, I- I'll be totally honest with you. My freebies are still up on my website. Like, mm. like I think there's like 40 of them or more. So it, it's going to be a real labor of love to go through and take them down and figure out what to do there. Um, however, I have just been recently outlining like what would be a better opt-in, a freebie, a thing that I can offer that would be more um, 
appropriate for the people I really want to attract. So right now Mm -hmm. I am giving away still my content, my editorial calendar template, because I think it's still a useful tool for people at all stages of business because I use it with my clients every day. So, um, in fact, that's a go ahead. I think that's a really great point. Is if it's something you're actually using with your clients, mm-hmm. it's probably a helpful freebie. Yes, which here's shameless plug, lacybogs.com slash what works. You can go get your own right now. But um <laughs> <laughs> what I am also considering though is kind of a, a self-audit, like a checklist or some kind of self-audit mm. where you can um what I see a lot of my clients come to me with or without is they don't have, actually, you were talking about this yesterday, Tara, Um, they don't have a good sense of what's working and what would constitute Mm -hmm. it working. Like they don't even know what it would look like if it was working because they don't track things. So I'd really like to come up with some kind of self audit, very simple worksheet to just say like, what are your goals and what metrics are you using to track those goals? And are you reaching them? And if the answer is no, let's talk, you know, because right. (laughs) This is really what I want people to understand when they, when, like when I get a sales call with people, that's a lot of times where we start because people aren't looking at metrics or goals because they just haven't thought about it or whatever. They don't know, or they're looking at the wrong metrics for blogging and stuff. They're like, oh, well, I get lots of Facebook likes. I'm like, well, that's great, but it doesn't translate to sales. So, <laughs> yeah, I think that's such a good idea because, uh, you know, so many, I hear so many people say, um, well, you know, the people who are my ideal clients, they're just all asking the wrong questions or they're focused on the wrong problems. So if you can create marketing that actually helps them ask the right questions or uncover the right problems, that's a really good step toward them knowing, liking, trusting you enough to say, Hey, I didn't realize this was an issue. Can you help me out with this? Yeah. It's opening Um, that gap, right? Like, like, Oh, I thought I was okay. And then I did this. I've actually had people say that when they do my intake forms, like when I, when I did your like intake form, I thought of all these things that I never thought of before. So I've actually considered turning part of that into an opt-in as well. Yeah. I love, love, love that idea. (laughs) It's just a matter of finding the time, you know? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. All right. Meg, I would love to hear more about how your audience, so the the people you're interacting with on Facebook and your email list on your blog reacted from your pivot, uh, reacted to the pivot uh, to one-to-one strategy and implementation services instead of that DIY approach. This is such an interesting kind of horror story from a business owner's perspective because... Oh, no. No, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm far enough away from it now that I can talk about it without crying. But um, <laughs> we ran a, um, a list. So we did two things at the beginning of tw- 2017 when I decided to make this pivot. The first was we cleaned my list. So we mm-hmm. we ran um, a re-engagement campaign and then deleted anybody who hadn't opened or engaged with emails in, I think, six months. I think that was our metric. And so I literally lost about half my list right right off the bat. And then the next thing we did was ran a little segmentation campaign where I just asked, are you more interested in strategy or tactics? Meaning, do you want the big picture stuff or do you want the templates and the how-tos and the whatever? And out of, let's say, 2,500 people that were still on my list, 60 said they wanted strategy. <gasps> right? Oh, be still my uh-huh. little strategist heart. Don't you want to cry? <laughs> like, don't you want to cry? So this really actually just um, validated what I already knew, which is that I had built a list of people who didn't want what I had to sell. <laughs> 
they like me. Right. They like to hear from me. They open my emails, but they don't want to buy from me. And if you're on my list, I love yes. you. Please don't get off just because I'm saying this. Um, you, you're welcome to buy from me anytime. I don't hold any grudges, <laughs> but but I really very rarely see somebody appear out of the ether, get on my email list, and then buy a one-to-one strategy session. It just doesn't yeah. seem to happen. On the flip side of that, though, people tell me all the time that they decided to work with me because they liked what I had to say. They liked my website. They read some of my blogs and agreed with what I was talking about. So the fact that I'm blogging and emailing (laughs) to a list that doesn't necessarily buy from me is almost beside the point. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing it as Mm -hmm. an exercise because it's my platform and it's a demonstration of what I can do. And it's a demonstration of what I think and what my strategies are and whatever. And that's working, even if they're not opting in and then buying it. Even if there's not a direct funnel through my email, I'm sure there must be. There must be some outliers who like cut on my email list and then work with me. But in general, it's through, they saw me teach somewhere. They got a personal referral from something. And then every once in a while, I get somebody who's like, I Googled you. I Googled some, I Googled yeah. content marketing and you came up and I want to work with you, which I think is still a testament to my blog because they have to come find something and decide if they want to work with me. So that's a scary story. Yeah, so yeah. sorry for that. But uh, it's still working, though. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I am so fascinated by buyer's mm-hmm. journeys right now. And I think everyone here has probably heard me talk about the customer journey. And that's sort of like the, the journey from their point of view. But this is almost like the flip side is what is the journey that an actual buyer is most likely to take? Not the one we want them to take, but the one they're most likely to take. And I think you identifying that your buyer's journey typically doesn't go through your email list is huge. It doesn't mean the email list isn't valuable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that emailing your list isn't valuable and, and something that you should continue doing or writing for your for your email list. But it definitely redirects your energy and your focus and how you relate to that group of people. And that's huge. I mean, that can really change, really help you get on top of what, what will actually work for your I think business. that's true. I feel a lot less pressure actually about what I'm blogging about and what I'm emailing because I feel like like I can just talk almost. I can just say, this is what's on my mind this week <laughs> because it's more of just a conversation. It's about having that conversation yeah. as opposed to specifically asking them to buy something in that email. On the other hand, I remind people what I sell and what I do almost every week in my blog post and in my, okay. my emails. Yeah, which leads me to Kristen's question, uh, which is what has been working for you in terms of asking for the sale on your email list? How often do you ask for a sale on your list versus the, uh, you know, producing getting to know you content? What does what does that kind of mix look mm-hmm. like for you? So, I mean, I never am going to advocate that you should be like the used car salesman. What's it going to take to get you in this today? You know, however, I find it very easy to organically mention what I do almost every week. <laughs> Um, you know, if I'm like this week, I wrote about, are we all going to delete Facebook? And, and in my email, I said, like, if this is something that concerns you, if your marketing is heavily Facebook, let's talk, here's how to get on a call with me. Because it mm. it's not like a buy now, buy now, buy now thing. But if this triggers something in somebody, if they go, Oh, crap, you know, what if that did happen, I would be screwed. <laughs> then they might and where do I go? What, what can exactly. I do about this? You're giving, them an, them, an them an answer to that question. So, um, 
I think I'm asking for the sale a lot more often than I ever used to, as a matter of fact, even though like, like, as I said, I don't have any concrete proof that those people are the ones buying. I just am putting it out there. I put it out there in the blog post as well. I say, if you're interested, Mm. you know, because that way, if somebody does land from Google, well, then they know what to do next. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. I think we're going to start wrapping up here, but I mean, I'm curious, what, what is it that you're working on right now? Where can we find out more about working with you, signing up for a strategy session, maybe getting our hands on one of those freebies before <laughs> you take them all away? Yes. Good point. Yeah. So, I mean, my strategy sessions are the main way people work with me right now. And, and that is my big picture, what's happening with your marketing, what's working, what's not working, and how do we fix it. Um, and, and that includes me putting together that wonderful editorial calendar for you for the next six months. So you literally have a step-by-step, week-by-week, here's what you need to do. If you need that kind of hand-holding, that's what I could do for you. Um, and you can find information about that at laceybogs.com slash undercover. And um, if you do want that editorial calendar template and get on my list and get all those wonderful freebies and the emails that I'm just talking to people, that is lacybogs.com slash what works. Awesome. Lacey, thank you so much for joining us today and really just opening up and being transparent about what's working for you, um, how things have changed. It's been a real pleasure catching up with you and, and finding out all about, you know, what's working. Thank for you. you my pleasure. I love chatting with you. It feels like a safe space, even though like I'm telling you all my secrets and horror <laughs> stories. <laughs> To the public. Yes. Yeah. We're going to go get this downloaded a few thousand times and make sure everyone knows about your horror stories. Awesome. Well, if you're here with us live, be sure to uh, thank Lacey. And even if you're not here with us live, you're listening to this later on from on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, uh, on Crowdcast here where we're broadcasting from. Uh, make sure that you stop by LaceyBoggs.com and just wave hi, let her know where you found her uh, and thank her for her openness and transparency on today's episode of What Works. Now, What Works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. You heard us mention that a couple of times today. So what exactly is Co-Commercial? Well, Co-Commercial is a social network, an event producer, and a support hub, especially for small business owners in the digital space. We want you to turn the business you've started into something that will stand the test of time, provide for you and your family and more, and help your customers transform their lives or work. We connect you to the people who get the obstacles you're facing as an entrepreneur. We produce events to educate, connect, and inspire you on your journey. We're a community of business owners who help you find creative solutions to your unique challenges without reinventing the wheel. And here's how it works. Step one, join co-commercial. Step two, share a challenge, obstacle, question, or setback you're currently facing in your business. Step three, get personalized answers from a diverse community of experienced business owners. And step four, never waste time on Google or Facebook trying to find answers for your business again. We're not another online course. We're not a free group where you get lost in a sea of self-promotion. We're not a cut and paste template for doing business online. And we're not aiming to teach you a hundred new things you don't have time for. We're here to support you on your journey. We help you get back on track and back to running, managing, and growing your business as quickly as possible. No fluff, just personalized, just-in-time answers to your biggest and smallest questions. Ready to give it a try? Request your invitation to the network today. Go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. Now that's it for this week's episode of What Works. This 
special bonus episode. If you love getting a behind the scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe to What Works on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Nevius and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Thank Thanks, you. Lacey. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Nevius and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.